Hello and welcome to the Wrestling Headlines NXT TakeOver Stand and Deliver review covering both nights of all of the action. All of the actions crunched into one packed out hour or so of talking. How are we going to do it? We'll find out. <laughs> find out how rapidly we're going to do it. And I'm joined today by Wrestling Headlines resident uh, interviewer and newsy man. It's Joey G. <laughs> welcome, Joey. Hey, hello, Mr. Matt. Hello, the imp. Hello, impy baby. I have been waiting <laughs> you used to, have my, yeah. to have my time to uh, to join you on one of your reviews. You've been doing fantastic work uh, reviewing shows on a weekly basis, and I'm just happy that we get to shoot the breeze over what was uh, two fantastic nights of wrestling. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. This is the first like double shows before WrestleMania. So as an English person, I'm feeling it. <laughs> I was like, no, I'll be fine this yeah, year. Yeah, where were you? Yeah, I'll be fine this year. I mean, you're up at what, like one, two, three in the morning watching oh, just yes. the carnage of the last mm. two nights. Uh, you know, there's uh, something to be said about the dedicated fan base um over there in england and uh you sir are the best one of all of them oh joey just <laughs> oh, warming my heart <laughs> on this cold april day <laughs> seriously it flurried with snow whilst i was streaming the other day <laughs> it's generally cold in april uh, but yes so nxt takeover was a generally two fantastic nights of wrestling which is fantastic to say about nxt once again i put up a column over the weekend about how I, with, with, I'll be honest, with a Photoshop, I made for the NXT reviews, but I thought it was too good, so I had to use it for the column. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. and, well, I've been feeling so much more positive about NXT, because I posted a column back in December about how I was feeling a little bit down, not quite like on board mm. with NXT, I wasn't into war games really, and obviously... In response, oh, you're just an AEW shill. Oh, you don't like, don't like it. Oh, just another negative comment about WWE. But I thought I'd put one out this time. Just like, no, I'm genuinely enjoying NXT. They've a, a lot of the issues I had feel like they've been addressed. I'm not into everything, mm. obviously. It's still got certain mm -hmm. trends in there. But on the whole, I'm really enjoying what's going on with NXT as a whole right now. And I feel like building to Takeover, like I was in. They done a job. They made me really excited for a Takeover to go the way that it actually did. And uh, yeah, just all the applause in the world right now for Hunter's Yellow People. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yes, all of, the, all of the little yellow minions. I'm with you, Matt. I mean, I was not uh, feeling NXT. I was not on board with the yellow and black brand for a while. I'd watch, I also skipped uh, TakeOver War Games this year. I was not really into it. It felt like weekly TV was more of an attempt to try and I, I hate to use the term, but they were trying to counter-program what they were doing across an AEW, and it's not necessarily a bad thing, but they were starting to lose a little bit of the identity that made NXT this fantastic, not just third brand, but solo brand all on its own. And I do really think they have done a good job of regaining interest, and uh, this takeover was very, very well built up, which they always used to be. And they then delivered on these high promises. So, um, yeah, I think now with their big move to Tuesday, like they are on a good path towards, um, you know, continuing their trend of uh, making great weekly programming. Yeah, it's an, yeah. It's, it's, it's an interesting. It's, I mean, I'm realizing this intro could go on a little while. <laughs> and we're kind of uh, got so many matches to go through that I am mm -hmm. going to uh, drift on over to night. One was where the women's championship match happened. Yes, night one. Io Shirai versus Raquel Gonzalez for the NXT Women's Championship. And one of the things I was applauding was it felt like NXT 
needed a kind of shift to a next generation. I was kind of getting a little bit bored of the current crop. I've obviously been there for so long, but now mm. I felt like that new crop was desperately trying to smash through that ceiling. And this takeover seemed to massively address that. Folk have been built for like mm-hmm. the last year. Yes, it got unlucky with Karrion Cross, but still there's that kind of pushing through the barrier. And Raquel Gonzalez has been built up over the past year. Mental to think she only debuted last February, which is, oh, re-debuted <laughs> to go to Kaiser's Diesel. Yeah. Like, if that feels like a lifetime ago, but it, it was one year before everything went to crap. One year, ago. one year when everything went to crap, the last takeover that had fans, I believe, uh, uh, TakeOver Portland. Well, yeah, she came out, uh, jo- joined Dakota. Jeez, uh, um, uh, I'm trying to f- remember who Dakota faced in that in that street fight. I know, I know what her name is. But she, uh, yeah, she came out. She uh, she gave the assist and has continuously been built up since. And I think they've done a really good job. And she has improved so very, very much. And given her monster aura, I'm excited to see this reign of Raquel Gonzalez. I really am. Yeah, it's it's fantastic win as well. Like Ruth, the match itself, Io Shirai, Raquel Gonzalez, the main event at night one. Ruthless power versus speed and athleticism. And you mm. had, obviously, the... Aspect of Dakota Kai, who caused one distraction early on and was immediately ejected. <laughs> Referee just like, none of that, lass. <laughs> Out she gets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no, not, not this time, Dakota. We know you like kicking people in the head, but I am uh, I am no novice in the ring. I, I appreciated that because it, 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 you know, it's a, it's a bigger shine for Raquel. Like, she mm. got it done essentially all on of her own on her own she you know the the distraction at the very beginning i don't even think she fully took advantage of that after it happened so it really showed that she could battle and win these fights on her own and like the nxt's women's division like really does feel like it's risen to an all-time high like once again (laughs) with these two in there Uh, questions of Mm. eo moving up because she's obviously hit that point that happens in nxt normally around this point and then he's often stayed Mm. for a few months more it's one of those where you look at it and go the main roster's maybe just finding its order again <laughs> i don't know if they want to pump in a load of nxt guys uh, once more but yeah nxt women's division itself absolutely stacked and this was a fantastic example of it at its height uh eo speaking of heights eo <laughs> crazy woman eo <laughs> uh, yeah like before we got to the school she was already like flying and controlling the match like a champion but then we got to the massive school dive. She dives off, like, <laughs> it's just crazy, Eo, off the cage at War Games, off the house, like, in your house or on your house. And here tonight, off of the gigantic, oh, what was the, sort of, um, actually, they were paid for you, Deadly Games? The, the gi- uh, yes, yes. Mm. And it was a giant skull that she's jumping off of this time. And, man, she hit Raquel, and you just heard the thud on those metal crates. Mm. And to me, that's just another uh, another day in Eo Shirai's life. Like, even <laughs> when she's not competing on... Uh, on NXT, you know, let's say she's going to uh, to a nearby pub to get some food. She's like, how would you like for me to pay for this? Let me jump off your roof. How about that? Because it just seems like she just likes flying off things, even when it's not necessary to do so. Um, <laughs> you know, you have to earn that moniker, Genius of the Sky, and she certainly always, always does. <laughs> and in the final act of the match, the champion and the challenger both questioning each other's resilience, shouting at the referee, shouting at the opponent just to stay down. Shirai looking up to the heavens after Gonzalez kicked out of the moonsault. Uh, but it wasn't long after that where she herself found herself shouting at Io to stay down. The, the champion mm. refusing to quit after a one-armed powerbomb at ringside completely took her out. 
And and a clothesline out of hell. We got quite a few awesome clotheslines on these pay-per-views. Turned the champion oh, yeah. inside out. And it was another one on Powerbomb, slamming Shirai down in the middle of the ring. Uh, finally did it. And after over 300 days, we have a new NXT Women's Champion in this new era. She's been built up for an entire year. Feels strong as hell. But booked to the moons to feel like this awesome monster. And it's great to see her in this role as well. It's not like a Karen Cross style of monster where it's just like, oh, this guy's a beast. How could he possibly stop him? With, with mm. Gonzalez, it's been that climb. And it felt like more like a massive achievement and a celebration afterwards as well. We're just seeing the delight on her face. Even though she's technically the big baddie. <laughs> it didn't matter. They right. brought her up really, really it, well. And that's the thing about NXT is that you could shift perspective on people's, um, you know, character allegiances or heel or face or even that tweener section so easily. And, you know, this was the big kind of, you know, again, she beat her completely on her on her own. Like Dakota was not there. I mean, this could lead to some dissension between them where I accomplished what you never could. So there's lots of great future showdowns for Raquel down the line. You know, I can't wait to see your step in the ring with Candice. I hope Shotzi and Ember, while still being... Um, their tag team, they can get some singles uh, matches with her. I agree with you. Like, I think this uh, women's division is ready for this, like, new this new phase. And you really needed someone of her caliber to b- bring down Io Shirai because Io has just been such a staple and such a centerpiece of the division for so long. Yeah, I, f- I think it's great that they have managed to build somebody to get to that point. And it feels so bad that they have one as well. They haven't... Mm. They resisted hot-shotting the belt to anybody else, even though the opportunities presented themselves. They just had EO retain again and again and again. So when Gonzalez did it, it felt like this absolutely massive achievement. Yeah, all the applause in the world for it. And the match obviously mm. kicked ass. <laughs> it really helped. It really did, you know what? And on a night, especially night one, mm. on a night that really uh, had a lot to live up to, because um, each match seemingly kept getting better and better. I thought it was a solid main event, maybe my second favorite match on the night of night one. Uh, but I d- it definitely delivered for a main event spot of a takeover. And, uh, night one as a whole as well, just from start to finish, was an absolute blast. <laughs> just to kind of give mm-hmm. a little overview of that. I thought it was like, for, they, it didn't let off. It was just one of those shows where from the first match with Pete Dunne, Kushida, all the way to the main event, it was just like bang, 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 <laughs> just delivering on mm-hmm. all fronts. And all fronts and delivering in all different types of matchups, you know mm. what I mean? I mean, Kushida and Dunn was, you know, as much a technical masterpiece as it was a brawl. You know, Walter and Ciampa certainly delivered on the, the ultra violence that we, uh, I think, all fans assumed <laughs> was going to happen when you have a guy whose ring moniker is uh, Psycho Killer and another guy whose ring moniker is the Ring General. I think those two complemented each other very well. And then you had a lot, a lot of great action in the tag team match. And then this final main event between Raquel and Io is just a great story, you know, uh, a great crowning achievement for Raquel. Um, and and truly, truly just a, a fantastic overall end-to-end show to kickstart us into this next uh, this next phase of NXT. And speaking of next phases in NXT, I'm nailing these transitions today. <laughs> speaking of next phases, Karrion Cross defeating Finn Balor for the NXT Championship on night two. A big fight feel as both lads stared each other down before the bell. The epic entrances, Finn Balor with a cross on his chest, across his left peck, a reminder to both men why they dropped their titles in the past. It's like, oh, I love it. <laughs> I love it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And for me, this was Karrion Cross's best match in NXT so far. Oh, 
Absolutely. Mm. And that's not to say that he hasn't been doing good work, but his, you know, his character is this big brooding monster that doesn't really, even against Keith Lee, when he originally won the title, didn't really seem like he was fighting from behind at all. Mm. And it's like, man, it really takes someone as talented and as intelligent as Balor to really make it seem like not only he had a chance to win, but he took a good portion of the offense in this matchup. I mean, he really had Cross on his back. Uh, and, you know, even at points where a submission was not completely out of the question, considering the damage that was done on the arm that he had to, uh, you know, uh, put, uh, you know, relinquish the belt in the first place. So I thought the storytelling in this in this contest was utterly fantastic and i agree with you cross's best standout matchup maybe ever but certainly in nxt i feel like that really helped sell it as well because with keith lee carrying cross it was one of those where it's like eh, the match didn't really get to me but it hit, they hit all the beats they got what they were going for and mm. it's like eh, mm. it's, it's a shame it's not you know hit those massive heights but uh, we can see where they're going they continue the muscle build i feel like this win did a lot more for cross given the quality of the match and the story they told within it as well Long term, it's worked out for Cross incredibly well, and I cannot wait to see what they do with it. it, is it, is it I can't. I can't wait. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, I can't wait mm. to see what they do with him either. You know, he's got a great look. That entrance will give me chills every single time, and I don't know if it will translate as well on the main roster. I hope it does. I'm not saying I'm anxious to see him move up, but he certainly has the look of a top guy. And I do think that he could potentially be one on the main roster if they decide to use him. But as of now, I'm going to enjoy this reign in NXT. And I think we got to give a lot of credit to Balor and maybe even label Balor as maybe one of the top two, maybe even the top NXT champion of all time because he was really doing some of his best work. Those, um, those dual matches with O'Reilly were fantastic. His last defense against Pete Dunne was one of my favorite matches of the year that I think uh you know we'll get overlooked because we get great matches on a weekly basis <laughs> now um but truly truly he was doing some really top level things in terms of psychology in terms of action and i'm excited to see uh, you know he said in an in an interview recently that he's like excited to go to nxt uk and finally give this people this walter balor uh showdown so i'm assuming that's going to mm. be what his next move is i don't know if we see balor back on Tuesday nights right away I think he I think he has this desire to continue this like great um this great string of work that he's been doing since he moved back to NXT in 2019 so uh and I think a showdown with Walter would certainly be something fans want to see yeah and yeah that's, that's quite an interesting point actually yeah I hadn't caught that at all I was just into uh, I went to sleep last night. I was like, oh yeah, cross. That'll be interesting. Didn't even pay a thought to mm. it, Bella. <laughs> like, sorry, mm. Finn. <laughs> you're my Irish heritage, but <laughs> but you're my Irish heritage. Well, and you know, I mean, it's a you know uh, to add on to what you said about how the wind does so much for cross. You know, they even showed it in the stats mm. prior to the match at the beginning. Balor has an impeccable takeover record. I believe he was four, maybe. 13 and one, the only loss coming to Samoa Joe at Takeover the end in that cage match. But he had also never lost a title match at Takeover, so it's like another hurdle that Cross accomplished. Not only did he beat a guy that's usually very, very good at these marquee events, but he had never lost a title match because he obviously dropped the title the first time to Samoa Joe in that uh, you know infamous house show in Massachusetts, where they're like, oh, you know, I, I don't want to say that they spoiled that happening, but they were like. 
anything could happen at a house show. Are you listening? Are you listening? <laughs> anything could happen at a house show. Um, and I was, so when it did happen, I was like, oh, you don't say. The one house show that they said they even wanted to televise, he <laughs> lost the belt at. Um, mm. So yeah, I uh, I, I do uh, I I think I think that's my prediction as what happens to Balor next. But uh, who knows? I mean, that doesn't necessarily mean they don't bring him back up. Uh, it's interesting. It should be interesting. You know, post mania is always an interesting time because it's a nice reset for mm. everything. And in this match, the champion was really painted as smart and with a plan uh, to uh, anger Cross, get under his skin. Uh, which, but to be fair to say. Purposely making Cross angry was always a bit of a risk. <laughs> it was a dangerous ploy, and it worked for most wow. of the match. Uh, but in a sudden, Cross awoke into a zone of focused aggression. Balor quickly shifting to go for that big signature offense and a great run to the, for the end of the match. Uh, Balor's kicks to the uh, challenge's sternum created like a weak point for him to stretch with no escape at the end until. Wow. Scarlet uttered some spooky spook <laughs> and apped him up <laughs> into an unstoppable state. <laughs> forearm after forearm. Oh my forearm, god, yeah. No. Like that Finn, literally out complete, that... Uh, Finn was out completely and completely unable to protect himself against the suplexes and charging forearms to follow. Mm. Uh, but yeah, that spooky mm. spook amping him up. <laughs> oh my god, that reminded me of uh, when Paul Bearer used to take the uh, the lid off the off the urn and the yellow light or the the white light would mm. come out and the spirit the spirit of the dead man would reawaken you know when we got some real real uh spooky dooky voodoo things going on uh yeah she was certainly speaking in tongues i also you know i i, I suspected that she they were watching a show together on some streaming network and she's like if you lose i will watch without you and that that awoken the man he's like that uh-uh like, I will not only not lose this title match, but I refuse to let you watch our show without me. So uh, that's probably what I assume she was doing with her uh, with her enchantments, with her spells out there. Um, <laughs> it always sounds scary when you don't know what to say. <laughs> yes, abso- absolutely loved it. I, I honestly thought they were they were going to call the match with the um, uh, when Cross was in full guard and was nailing Balor with those unprotected mm. elbow shots to the back of the head. Couldn't defend himself. You know, I thought... What an interesting way for him to possibly have lost the title, like a very MMA-like ending. Mm. Um, I'm happy they uh, they actually kept it going. It just showed Balor's resilience and Cross's brutality all in once. But that was the yeah the final sequences of this match were very 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 entertaining because I don't think we've ever seen Balor get defeated in that sort of way. Um, you know he's been beat he's been bested before. Um, he's been beaten with a wrestling maneuver, but this was like a clear dominant no rematch necessary type of victory for Cross here. Mm. I will also, before we move on to the next match, I will uh, apologise for Joe's video jumping about all over the place. It's 100% my end as well. It's my fault. I say my fault. It's my laptop's fault. Bad laptop. <laughs> Audio's fine though, so uh, you should be able to hear him more perfectly good follow his points. You'll just get a lot of really funny screenshots. <laughs> as he turns oh, I, yeah. I, look, I look forward to them. <laughs> uh, and the final match to talk about that's on my uh, lovely little Photoshop image to uh, lovely, what's the word? Thumbnail. Jesus Christ, man. <laughs> so, the main event of night two, the unsanctioned match between Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly. Uh, the uh, I, I assumed when I went onto Twitter that this kind of match would get a mixed reception just because of the kind of match it was. And I was generally surprised to see mostly positive with the only negative uh, notes I saw with people saying, oh, it's a bit long. And I was like, generally, I was like, oh, that's, I mean, that's good to see, because there's normally a little bit of contention with these types of matches, but with this, there wasn't. It seems most people were into it. It was just a bit long. It's like, that, 
good job then. Mm. <laughs> good job, both guys. Mostly yeah, positive. Very, very good job. I, I, yeah, I wouldn't say it was my uh, favorite match of the two nights, but oh, I think me, yeah. it delivered on everything that it promised. You know, it was it was brutal. It was violent. Uh, there was good elements of storytelling. It made O'Reilly really, really seem like a star, mm. and the right and the right man won, which is the main important thing. Because, you know, in these type of feuds, usually, and we I don't necessarily know that it is over, but these type of feuds usually you got the heel takes the first one. If you're doing typical WWE booking, the heel takes the first one, and then there's four more matches, and then eventually when we get to that final moment where the babyface does get his big moment sometimes there's some fatigue to it and i was that's why i was happy that he was able to take it on this night especially the type of match it was especially with how beautiful the video package they had that built this up mm. uh you know it, it really was exciting and it made sense because they kept calling it the co-main event and i just assumed that this was going to go on fourth and let balor and cross end but in a way, this was almost better for this to end because it's unsanctioned. And if AEW's taught us something, it's like that match would technically go on last because it's not sanctioned. They did it before too with Gargano and Ciampa, where, where it headlined Takeover Orleans, you know, over Black and Andrade. So like it made sense, and I, you know, I, I think there could have been some, you know, if I'm being nitpicky, there could have been some things that were trimmed or some things that were sped up. But overall, I, I this also this bout had one of the uh, one of those great clotheslines that you were talking about <laughs> from the weekend. I mean, O'Reilly popped off those ropes and damn near killed Cole with a lariat that I, I swear to God gave me whiplash just watching it. <laughs> and uh, I like oh, you said it earlier as well. Uh, the promo video was absolutely fantastic, and uh, that paired with the match starting with the all security keeping them divided, the lights all the way down. And as soon as the bell rings, they just go straight into laying blows into each other. Like they went all yeah. out to set the tone for this to be an all-time fight. And I just love the unique feel from everything about this. The entire match. They went out yeah. of the way to create that feeling, and it went through the entire match. These two beat the living crap out of each other. <laughs> and in terms of in terms of covering it, it's uh, one of those where it's like, oh, I'm not going to go beat for beat, even though it did escalate really well. I split this match into th- this match into three acts: chairs, chains, and yeah. chaos. And each one <laughs> led into the other. <laughs> I would say probably clothesline of the night might have technically been the one with the chain, where I think Adam Cole just kind of t- put, talked it up <laughs> and he uh, kind of like ran into it and got brought down. Uh, oh, yes, that was a, a brilliant spot. And the, the latter act, which I named Chaos, was just because Cole was using too many tools. <laughs> Adam Cole like, resorting to a variety of weapons to swing at Kyle. The uh, referee calling Adam's uh, song of the concerto a note too far. Uh, so down went the referee. <laughs> Deservedly so. <laughs> Stop being Adam Cole. Deservedly so. And it's, uh, you know, sometimes you have to appreciate pro wrestling for its silliness because, like, moments later, uh, he hits the Panama Sunrise, goes for the count, and he's mm. out of nowhere. Oh, what happened to the ref? And then calls the ref an idiot. You suck at your job. And it's like, buddy. <laughs> You know, you know that that is your fault, but he doesn't know because he's seeing red and he's so overcome with anger. Again, you know, p- people might be able, that might be a spot where people will nitpick and mm. be like, why do, why do pro wrestlers do dumb things sometimes? But that's the silliness of it that you have to lean into. Oh, yes. Yeah, 100%. It fit the story they were telling so perfectly. It was, it was the escalation point. Because not long after that, you're going through the ramp, <laughs> through the metal stage, uh, which sounded a little bit painful. And again, the unique fight element about it, normally with a spot like that, you go straight to the ending afterwards. 
Not in this match. <laughs> it was mm-hmm. it was creating that. You know, I don't want to compare it to The Last of Us, but the point <laughs> in The Last of Us it purposefully creates that feeling of when is enough enough, and mm-hmm. I feel like mm-hmm. this match did it a lot like um, with uh, Tommaso Ciampa versus Johnny Gargano from Takeover last year, where they mm-hmm. um, did the cinematic filming of it. I didn't like that at all. But here, uh-huh. they're going to create that same feeling of when is enough enough? When are you going to stop? And here, they nailed it. I felt like the stage spot was so much more effective than what they did with Gogano Champa. And they did the stage spot, and then Adam Cole kicks through the side of the ramp just to get to Kylo Riley and beat him up even more. So it was That was done so well. And then to go to the ending where Adam Cole is just going for something absolutely drastic, Kyle fights back. Adam Cole gets low blows, down he falls, prone onto the chairs, and Kyle O'Reilly wraps his leg in that chain, jumps and crashes his leg onto Adam Cole, whose head then goes between the chains on his knees and the chairs that he's prone across, and just completely has him out. And an absolute perfect final beat as well, where Cole is the one getting the stretcher. He's the one being attended to. Neck brace and all as the emergency officials took care of him. And O'Reilly is the one who gets the final shot of the night, looking down the ramp, all huffy and puffy and, oh, I've done a bad <laughs> type of thing. Mm, and, yeah. and he's got uh, massive bruises on his mm. back. Like, he has gone through a war. I agree. It was one of my fa- – you know, you always got to watch it take over till the very end because you never know exactly mm. what's going to happen. And I thought this was, like, a fitting, very hero's journey type ending where, like, he knows what he just did. Like, he knows despite – the fact that he did get his revenge, that was someone that he was very close to. So it did hit on some nice uh, emotional tones too, where he was mm. watched, you know, like he, he got pushed to a level where his, you know, former friend is now being stretched out the same way he was. So I appreciated the parallel and I do think it was a, uh, and I understand again, that's probably why they wanted to end the show on that. Cause although the cross Balor match has the world title at stakes, I think this just ends the show on like a, lighter tone not a lighter tone but mm. maybe just a you know not not the big baddie holding the belt as it plus that's the way night one ended you know we had raquel holding the belt on night one this is a different thing so again in terms of layering or structuring the match setup i i, I thought they they nailed it yeah and it builds kyle up as a awesome star after taking out adam cole as well uh, it's another one i go those where you go where do we go next but you've mm fantastically set up the next generation of NXT of what's going to come next. You made some stars. Right. It's what we've been wanting the main roster to do. <laughs> you made your stars. You can go and do you it. You made just you mm. can go and do it. Yeah, you just got to know you just got to do it right and you just got to do mm. it smart. Also, I was uh, I was nodding in agreement as you were talking and that's when I felt the British tiredness as oh my head's heavy. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right, so <laughs> I'm actually really impressed. We've got those through those three things in about 20 minutes. Well done us. <laughs> We're on track. We've got about 20 more to go. <laughs> we can do this. <laughs> we'll all right. All right, I've not got any lights on. It's all natural light. So hopefully we can get this done before it all goes. That's our timer. <laughs> that's our time. Yeah, well, that's our crunch time. <laughs> so uh, we'll now go through uh, both nights in order. Night one first, then night two. Uh, we'll start off mm. with night one. And uh, the Strauss guitar soloing to Triple H's America. <laughs> Fantastic staging as well. <laughs> as for the first time, we got to see this uh, guitars akimbo with a big old school glaring at you. I thought it was a fan- fantastic staging. NXT has really brought that element in this era where like, they've just brought different staging back. And it does so much for, the each, for each little special to make it feel different. Just having a different staging, just having a big old school there. 
just makes everything mm. feel so much more different again compared to the main roster I know it's, we can't really complain about main roster staging this week because it's Wrestlemania they've got a big old pirate right. ship <laughs> but normally it's just the same staging and stuff uh, and mm-hmm. the different sets bring so much um, kind of variety to the shows I feel like that's really needed for certain shows like Money in the Bank they just have a pile of ladders like, that'll do Oh, but I liked it yeah. when it, they were in giant towers. <laughs> it was over the top. Uh, yeah, it, 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 exactly. No, uh, you know, it's like, it's like sometimes they're so uninspired by their mm. work. It's like extreme rules. I got it. Let's put up a giant X because it's extreme. And I'm like, you lazy sacks of shit. <laughs> uh, and, yeah. and the thing that, you know, especially the takeover TV specials like Great American Bash, Halloween Havoc, you know, uh, it, in your house, they literally built the old in your house set. Like, I, I agree. It adds mm. such a level of character to it. Um, and it makes, you know, it, it gives you a different type of flavor for what each of these shows is going to be. And th- this one was very unique, too. Uh, you know, that, that looming skull in the background, you know, it could be reminiscent of uh, Cross's Doomsday or, you know, the, the impending rivalry between o- o- O'Reilly and Cole there. You could take a lot of, uh, you know, it could be symbolism for a lot of things, but I really, really dug the setup. I also dug, uh, I don't mean to jump around, but I dug the performance by Poppy in night two. I thought that was mm. a great way to kickstart what was, you know, again, following a fantastic night one, which night two pretty much was also an excellent show but i still think night one takes the cake but poppy really uh drove that energy back up for me to get me uh, excited about this second night yeah because in the build-up to this show i was like why is it called stand and deliver <laughs> it's your it's kind of the pairing to a pirate show it's like why on earth is it called this <laughs> and obviously like every single time i said it it was like stand and deliver i'm yours because it's the stevie wonder lyric comes into my head <laughs> it was like mm-hmm. there's that and there's adam and the ant with the highwayman and then Poppy comes out and sing and does a cover of The Highwayman. And it's like, ah, I mean... There it is. Yeah, it is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it all kind of clicks together. And it's like, generally, that yeah, wasn't expecting that cover. And it was yeah, generally a fantastic way to open the show. And I'm not questioning why it's called Stand and Deliver anymore. Even though I still don't get the pirate link. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> the Highwayman weren't pirates. I, uh... <laughs> so, yeah. Right, I feel like that's just a, uh, you know... A, a reminder that it's WrestleMania week, mm. you know, like, so, you know, because I mean, they, they literally have the same exact, you know, it's the symbol for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers where mm. WrestleMania is being held at Raymond James. And I, I thought it was unnecessary too, but I was like, in my mind, I get it. That mm. might've been a call from upper management to be like, you know, place the symbol there and, uh, you know, remind people that your show is good, but WrestleMania is what's important. Um, you know, that assuming, I mean, that could have been a call from Hunter too, just to add some aesthetic to the feel. Was it necessary? Not really. I thought their own skull kind of uh, did the story for them. Yeah, both shows opened fantastically. Also, uh, into before we get into the show itself, like the adjustments to the fan arrangement as well, also made like such a difference to the atmosphere. Like, yes, they still played the fake crowd noise, but the higher number of fans really helped balance that out for me. You could still tell when they piped in the chan or when they wanted a certain reaction, as in the crowd popped for something, but they had the booze put in. It's like, oh, mm. it's a, a little bit jarring sometimes. And I saw quite a few comments on Twitter as well. Just think of, do you even need the live crowd, the uh, fake crowd noise now that you've got people there generating noise? <laughs> They're allowed for it. You got, you got enough people. I mean, you know, that that's the one thing where, you know, I, I'm on the AEW Dynamite beat for work. Like, I need to mm. watch 
uh, that show for the site. I also chose that show just for a reason, just because it was something new and I was excited for something new. And since they have been slowly bringing fans back um, at Daly's Place, you know, they haven't had to rely on the wrestlers they're not using to create the crowd atmosphere. And it just gives that element of realism back to it because we don't have to be forced to be like, oh, you like the spot or not. Like, the pro wrestling fans are there. They know what they like. And it just makes it feel like kind of regular a little bit again. And I agree with you. I, the addition of their fans in this one, even those extra little bit made such a difference. But you can tell there's a spot in the Kushida Dunn match where they're doing the back and forth strike exchange and Dunn hits his, you know, his signature big forearm where everyone in the crowd pops, but you hear the boos chimed in. And I was like, well, that, that's a little, you know, I was like, that's a little inconsistent. They probably should have read that considering like that's it was in one of the climactic points of the matchup where they're getting mm. ready to do one of the, their final back and forth exchanges didn't take me out of it in any way but like it was one of the times where i stopped focusing on the match and i noticed oh they're piping and boozed here i think that the only time it probably like came to my attention really in terms of what are you doing here was in the adam cole kyle o'reilly match where um i was writing notes so i thought it was the audience until I went on Twitter. I was like, "Oh, did they pipe that in where it was the we want mm. tables chant?" Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was writing notes. I wasn't looking at the screen at that time. I was like, "Oh, it's good that the chant, you know, the chants are back." And I don't need to like all the chants, but it's good to have chants back. And then apparently, it's good to have chants back. Yeah, yeah. But apparently, they piped in the uh, we want tables chants. Like, what, what are you doing, guys? <laughs> I don't, I don't get, don't get. Yes, that was a thing, but this this one doesn't need to come back. <laughs> it's all right. Mm. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's like why did why, who who pressed record on a we want tables chat? Like, I don't understand. <laughs> like, just start, you know, just start putting in audio from Goodfellas or Game of Thrones. Like, who cares at that point if you're going to start doing we want table chants? Yeah. Like, a little mm. a little unnecessary. It's one of those times I used to be fine with, and then I think for me the turning point was it was Mustafa Ali and Buddy Murphy having an absolutely amazing main event on Two or Five Live, and the crowd don't really care about Two or Five anyway, and then they just start chanting "We want tables," but they're doing so many awesome spots with the other things. <laughs> Do you specifically need mm-hmm. that one thing? It's like ah, oh, that, that's that's when I turned. It's like oh, I don't need this chant anymore. <laughs> yeah, I don't need this chant anymore. It's also was always very silly. Not to get sidetracked, but. Mm. Why they never just put 205 Live on prior to SmackDown was just baffling to me. Because (laughs) when you have a casual fan paying tickets and they want to see WWE, then you're technically ending. You know, when I would go to a SmackDown, they would do SmackDown, then they would do 205, and then they would do a dark main event because they're not ending the show with 205. So if you're not ending the show with 205, don't give me the fucking dark main event. That doesn't count anyway. Put 205 Live on first so you have a you have a hot crowd at the beginning, or at least a not tired crowd. And then by the end of SmackDown, you're where you need to be because they're there for those people anyway. Uh, and I mm. remember that Bur- M- Murphy and Ali match. I remember watching it thinking, like, this is fantastic, and they just do not have the crowd for it. Um, and then they add in those We Want Table chants. And I was like, cool, you don't appreciate this guy. You know, doing Spanish flies off the top of ta- off the top of stairs on top of top ropes, but yeah, a table will make this that much better. <laughs> like you, sh- you utter sheep. <laughs> uh, WWE, it's it's really interesting watching the discourse with the, we're definitely sidetracked. <laughs> the discourse between like AEW and the WWE uh. stuff that you see on social media, especially when you see a thing of no, nah, that's not that's just a WWE trope, and because they've been the only show in town. 
that's what a load of people think wrestling is. Was like, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, it's to- it totally makes sense. And if that is the only wrestling, you wouldn't have no other kind of reference point. <laughs> but uh, I always found that interesting. It's like, oh, if you do, like uh, the AEW has too many stables comment. I can't remember who started that. <laughs> it was oh. right. Well. Yeah. I just, I mean, again, that's a WWE thing where they try and teach you, not a WWE thing, I think that's a thing, like you said, that fans just assume is wrong because WWE, there's so many lone wolves, you know, mm-hmm. like, oh, Brock Lesnar, he's a lone wolf. It's like, is it is it so bizarre to think that people have friends? Like, does that <laughs> blow anyone's mind? Mm-hmm. Like, Gar- like even in, the, even in the Gargano match, um, you know, I, I saw some people that were like, uh, uh, for the way people are like ah, I don't really like the way and I was like yeah it's crazy that a husband and wife would be in a stable together mind blowing <laughs> utterly yeah. mind blowing like wow mm. uh, like this we're we're really like br- breaking uh, the limits of storytelling here I was you know I was like I, I just there's there's no correct way to do anything in any form of art anyway you know because mm. th- then people are you know if you watch a Christopher Nolan movie. And then you watch a Quentin Tarantino movie or even a Catherine Bigelow movie, which does things in a completely different medium of film. You can't say, whoa, well, they did it wrong because my boy C. Nolan over here, you know, is the only one that knows how to shoot on IMAX. It's like, that's not the way <laughs> things mm. work. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> mm. too many stables. I'm sorry that people have friends. I really am. <laughs> Complaining that the dialogue is so clear in Tarantino after watching Christopher Nolan. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but anyway yeah so uh, Pete Dunn Kushida will do it we'll finally trigger back <laughs> five, five ten minutes of uh, ramblings on other things <laughs> so Pete Dunn and Kushida <laughs> so uh, two lads who love a bit of arm or you give them arm or they'll take, they'll take the arm or they'll, they'll happily take that arm they love arms <laughs> those two uh, Pete Dunn also put they out a funny tweet he uh, was uh, put out a tweet about um, people are learning of like all the hand stomps that took place over takeover. <laughs> oh yeah, or all the the leg sweeps, or the way he counters certain maneuvers, or you know, there really was a lot of Pete Dunn layered in the show because a lot of working of the arms, a lot of going after the hands and the fingers and the joint manipulation, and mm. you know, I think Pete is uh, probably quite happy about that, <laughs> and probably also displeased because he's like, you know, mate, why are you taking why are you taking my moves? Why are you taking my psychology? But I mean, that was. You know, I really love the way it played into this Kushida match, though, because it led to the finish. And some people called this ending abrupt to Kushida and Dunn, but uh, it really, really played out very... I thought I thought mm. it was fine. I mean, it played out. I mean, he was targeting the hand. You know, Kushida goes for his big haymaker, connects with it, but his hand is so damaged that he drops, you know, allows Dunn to um, uh, hit a nice roundhouse to the head, you know, bitter end, boom. I mean, I think that's the, a fantastic way of you know, something paying off in a matchup. And these two just really, really upped their, uh, you know, te- the technical mm. prowess in this match and the, the chain wrestling into then the brawling. Like, I don't think this was just a technical matchup. I think this was also like a straight up good fight, which mm. really, really enjoyed. And Kushida, you know, we talk about Cross having great matches. Kushida, I think, is finally finding his niche and his footing in NXT because he seemed to kind of just be there since he got signed by New Japan, and now he is, you know, he's this is this is two takeovers in a row where he might have had the best match had there not been, you know, uh, matchups that were also like highly billed. Like if this wasn't on the same show as Walter and Champa, I mean, man, this was really, really great, really, really great. 
You're like, unsurprisingly, a white hot opener between the Japanese junior and the Brummy Bruiser. Like, attempting mm. to, like, outwear the other with the damage paying off in the end. Where after all of that arm work and all that focus, Kushida was unable to capitalise following his straight punch. Oh, he punched him with the worked hand. Oh, no. Mm. <laughs> Thanks to Dunn snapping his fingers earlier. Uh, Dunn using that opportunity to strike the man in the head and follow up with the bitter end for the win. So, yeah, it was all of that work then had a cause and effect. Yeah, damn solid opener. Yeah, I think that's kind of what it was as well. It was a solid opener. This isn't going to steal the show. We've got mm. a, you've got the slap fest coming. <laughs> Don't worry. Right. You're gonna have to slap yeah. slap a mania is in sight, and we are very excited for it. <laughs> so uh, after that, we got the number one contenders gauntlet eliminator, uh, the winner facing Gargano for the North American Championship on night two. Leon Ruff versus Osaius Worth Scott versus Bronson Reed versus Dexter Loomis, Cameron Grimes, and LA Knight. Nearly forgot the names because I forgot to write them down. <laughs> and, uh, 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 you got them all. LA, I just Every time I hear that LA Knight, I just think, man, I if there's one person that needs to be fired at that company, it is the person that comes up with these names because <laughs> I greatly, greatly dislike this name. Mm. He, he sounds like he's trying to be the uh, LA expansion soccer team or – you know, uh, you know, or the or the or the hockey team that's in Vegas, or the hockey team that's in Los Angeles. I just really don't like it. I don't know why what they lose by letting this man keep his name. I don't care if he made his name famous in NWA and Impact. Let him keep his name because L.A. Knight is not fun. Okay, you are not a comic book villain in a B story in Thor Ragnarok. You are. You know, this guy was a former world champion in Impact. This guy was a very big star when NWA Power came on. And yes, mm. they're still encapsulating uh, all the things that he does well. Great talker and like, you know, decent in-ring. But I, I just, I hate this name. I hated this name. And <laughs> since they gave him that name, any time he loses, I am not unhappy because no one named LA Knight should be doing anything. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it's that paired with the fact his name on the Titantron is written in the SmackDown Live fonts. <laughs> like the blue and the white and everything. They couldn't yeah. even get him his own <laughs> font. They're so lazy. <laughs> Uh, like the match itself, though, was an entertaining follow-up. <laughs> like, very entertaining. Yeah. Very entertaining. I agree. Yes. Yeah, kudos. And, and, and again, the right man won. Oh, yeah, 100%. The right man yeah. won. Like, kudos to Swerve in particular. As I, uh, I've got, got a shout-out Swerve, a friend of the show, Rich Latter, who producer for Swerve's uh, music. <laughs> got to give the shout-out there. Yeah, yeah, Swerve, Swerve killed it in this match. He was absolutely fantastic. Uh, he and Ruff continued their ringside brawl from last week uh, to lead into the ad break uh-huh. as we started the match. And Swerve went all the way to the end, like the linchpin of the match. He was the key where everything else revolved around and then built around as well. Uh, absolutely fantastic showing the best he's looked in NXT as well. I'll be, I've said that a lot this take for this TakeOver review, but I feel like it's the case again. Swerve felt the best that he has felt so far. Uh, when we returned from the break, we got like the spinning rebound cutter off the announce table. They were still brawling around ringside. Like they opened up to in magic fashion. And then the uh. different entrants came in, and each time making it just gives a different element to completely swing how the match was going. So Bronson Reed, a thick boy season chance. Ah, like, oh, that's good to hear that again. <laughs> Running strong as he powered both lads all over the ring. And they had the big spot at the end of that sequence of him suplexing both Ruff and Swerve, sending them flying across the ring. Uh, then we've got Cameron Grimes with our first, our first big example of the kind of fake crowd noise. Big Money Grimes. <laughs> Kevin Grimes. Uh, he got a big old pop from that live crowd, but then the piped in, look, boo, he's the heels. 
How did they not be mm. like this? He is over. <laughs> Big Money Grimes. It yeah. just works. <laughs> oh my gosh! I want all I want is for them to like give him a get. Tell WWE Studios to give this man a movie about how Big Money Grimes turned Ooh. a thing, like a a, a a mockumentary of his success, uh, based on all of those stock picks that he made with games and all of that like i love it i absolutely love this guy i love that he tries to pay swerve to be on his side because he's it doesn't matter he's got endless funds they're 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 coming in non-stop i i uh yeah i i again i noticed those boos on on that one as well i was like you gotta let the people cheer this man yeah, give the people what they want <laughs> give them big money crimes and i was talking with uh james boyd reviewing one of the nxts there from one nation radio and uh, the angle we can't wait to see is when it all comes crashing down. <laughs> oh yes! Yeah. I can't wait. He's gonna he's gonna put all of his money on the next stock, and Nate is going to tank. And <laughs> I cannot listen. I wish no one financial turmoil during these turbulent times of the world, <laughs> except for Cameron Grimes. I want to see him lose everything. <laughs> <laughs> Just to see it. Yeah, the Hulk Hogan entrance lyrics. <laughs> it comes crashing down, and it'll hurt. It'll hurt him so much inside. <laughs> It'll be a completely broken character, and it'll be a glorious arc. It's the, it's the, it's the only ending you can give. It's absolutely perfect. only ending you can give. Uh, after that, we got Dexter Loomis entering, all slow and creepy and the like. Um, and as he's entering, we miss Ruff getting caved in, so Swerker then steal the pin and eliminate his foe. Uh, got the gist of what happened. Uh, Dexter Loomis then host everybody around like a match favourite entering the fray. A nasty tumble to the outside as he and Grimes both went over. And Lewis's leg caught pretty awkwardly in the ropes for a nasty little, like, little talk to it as he fell down to the outside. I think he was mostly fine, but we'll, we'll see with NXT. Uh, they've not released any injury reports, but they're mostly kayfabe anyway, so <laughs> don't really tell you that much. Like, Io Shirai hurt her knee. No shit. <laughs> no shit. Yeah. yeah. I hurt my knee watching Io Shirai, so that makes sense. Uh, LA Knight entered last. Uh, sorry, LA Knight. <laughs> you have to say it like he says it. Uh, entered last, uh, talking trash on the mic on each of the opponents. I did like that. Because he's all talk and then he just gets beaten. That's kind of part of it. Mm, mm, um, mm. Um, I do like... Uh, the man was in the best position. However, quite possibly a tad too much overconfident. Just a little bit. <laughs> Shout out to uh, him finally getting to hit that big pop-up into the superplex as well. He's jumped up against multiple opponents. And this was the first time in NXT he's actually been able to hit it. Uh, that's one of his moves that generally looks great. So good for you, LA Knight. And oh yeah, yeah, and it's a, it's a very agile and athletic move to get that hop. They actually, you know, earlier that night in Dynamite, Max Caster took on Hangman Page, and Caster tried to do that very same spot. And he's a much younger, more limber guy, and he couldn't do it. So it was cool to see someone that's like it's one of their staple maneuvers, and he and he nailed it here. I thought he did look really good in the matchup, you know, especially coming in last. And I think. Anytime a guy comes in last in the gauntlet, I, I didn't assume in any way that he had any type of advantage. Um, I thought it was going to be Swerve uh, or Reed, and that's who it ended up coming down to. But, uh, you know, I, I do think, you know, despite all of my discrepancies with the name, I do think he looked good. And the biggest pop of the match came for Dexter Loomis getting eliminated. And was, again, the fake crowd noise. It was a pop from the crowd of, oh, he's, oh, he's gone. This match has opened up. Or, but the piped in crowd was, oh, the face has gone. Boo. <laughs> That's not how crowds uh. react. <laughs> uh, choking out Grimes. So choking out as uh, Grimes as the uh, live crowd entered the field. You can't eliminate Grimes. But LA Knight took advantage and rolled the man up for a three. I thought I showed him as being quite a smart competitor. And that's what I like about LA Knight so far with his character in NXT. He's taught the talk. He's shown he can be smart. But then he gets overconfident and does something stupid. 
<laughs> so there is a uh-huh. running theme to it. So I do like that. And yeah, a little pop from the crowd that was like drowned, turned down for a bit for the booze. But suddenly that did make the match feel a lot more open. Because for me, Dexter Loomis was the one kind of favourite character, favourite to win, who as soon as he goes, everything can open up. Because there'll be so many other people now. Uh, LA Knight then got caught by Bronson Reed. He got eliminated the next favourite, given he ended in last. <laughs> Once again, uh, the final note, uh, Bronson Reed getting that on top of LA Knight to enter our last three remaining competitors as the big Aussie was having to fend off two athletic, inventively cheeky heels in Swerve and Big Money Grimes. Uh, which led to a fantastic run of offense between the three of them. Uh, to uh, versus the third man was immediately there to kick you. You can't really do anything. <laughs> With uh-huh. a uh, little surprise in Swerve winning a series of roll-ups to eliminate Grimes. And he needed a good job when they managed to eliminate Grimes and the crowd didn't turn on the match. <laughs> it's like, oh, you've done it so well. <laughs> Grimes isn't in the final two and no one's complaining. Uh, Reed and Scott, uh-huh. the final two, and Swerve has never looked better in this heel role. Great to see a, a big mighty slam to the apron to see all, how seriously he should be taken now. Uh, Reed had other ideas, however. Big uh, big house call after house call, and the big Aussie just kept kicking out, not staying down. And suddenly he hits a massive beach break and follows up with the tsunami. Uh, the colossal Bronson Reed wins and advances to night two to face Gargano. And that run of action in the end, I thought, was absolutely fantastic. Reed looked amazing in it. Swerve looked amazing in it. Grimes got caught. It's like, oh, it just—it was all done extremely well. Extremely well. It was a very whoever with the uh, the booker and the producer of the matchup was should really be applauded because I think I think they nailed all the nuances that not only got us the winner of the match but is going to set up future storylines. So I look forward to seeing again this next phase. We're building up guys. I think Grimes is one of those guys that could be this next in this next wave of uh, top NXT guys. And we finally made it. We've done it. We're at the NXT UK Championship. <laughs> We're at the tasty one. <laughs> Here we go. Walter versus Tommaso Ciampa. Uh, so my, I've made a little few bullet point notes for this one. Uh, okay. Oof. Oh, this match slaps. Ciampa, you madman. Jesus, what a clothesline. <laughs> and there are my notes for this match. <laughs> that was fantastic. <laughs> Hustle, I'm coming for you. Hit <laughs> your notes. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Oh boy. Um, has there, I mean, has there been a wrestler in the last several years that has put together more high stakes, utterly entertaining matchups than Walter and each one just being so vividly different than the other? Mm. I mean, I absolutely adore this man. I want him to slap me in the face, and I'll let him do it. He is my ring general. He is the one that should be taking us into this next phase. And the fact that his his matchups never end the same way. Like, I don't even think you could – I don't think – like, he has got signature maneuvers. Does he have a finishing maneuver? No, because everything he does hurts. Anything – he, anything and everything he does can finish you, Um, especially the way this one ended. Big old chop. Done. Uh, absolutely loved it. I mean, end to end, the ring action on this one was great. You know, we got the, the uh, commentary, especially uh, Vic Joseph kept pushing over. This is the 2018 Champa. You know, this is that guy that was willing to do whatever it took to win uh, inside an NXT ring. They kept pushing that. And I think that adds to the story, too, because although he 
has you know shaved away the old uh, gray da uh, granddaddy hair and has got the nice chrome ball head again. As much as he wants to be, he's not that Champa anymore. You know, he is different. He has been changed. He's gone through a lot, specifically physically, with the injuries that he suffered. And I think all of this gets told in this story. It's like all the on top of all the brutality and the violence, he is fighting for something. He is fighting to prove that he's he can belong in the ring with the very best. And even with all of that, he still can't get the job done. Like who the day that Walter gets pinned. You know, aside from that Survivor Series incident, which, you know, we have forgotten about, um, like, it is going to be a great day. It's really going to be a great shining moment for whoever p pinned his arms to the mat. It's like fair to say that the tone was set for this one uh, from the early game where Walter, going to chop Champa at ringside, misses, but he goes to chop him so hard that his hand slices the announced desk <laughs> takeover sign in mm. half. <laughs> sort of the cracking it in the following matchups whenever they went to the commentary. It's like, yeah, it was... And their idea for an ad break as well was Champa charging with clotheslines the entire time. I feel sorry for those people who were watching it on uh, on the actual TV channel itself, NBC, that's it. No, USA, mm -hmm. there we go, got it eventually. USA, yeah, 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 yeah. I, uh, I watched it. I watched on Peacock with no commercial breaks, but if that's if if they you know if it was during commercial where Champa hit at least must have been twelve or thirteen clotheslines <laughs> back to back, then I mean if that was in a full a full stadium or if that was in like with a typical twenty five thousand hot NXT mm. crowd, they would have been going ballistic. I know because I was going <laughs> ballistic because after five I was like, geez, he's still going. My God, he's still going. <laughs> my God, get this man some Gatorade. Th those are my notes. It was just like, Jesus, Chapa, take a breath. Take a breath. Because <laughs> I know on the WWE Network stream, because I still got it, I'm European, uh, the um, screen went black when it went to ad breaks, and then it would kind of fade mm. back in for the main point, main show. And uh, it faded, and Chapa was just running with those charging clotheslines. <laughs> and we're just like, he's been going for like a, like two minutes. Is he going for the entire ad break? <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me. And um, but that it did then play into the story they were telling, where Champa throws all of this crap at Walter, and then Walter just one hit dead, <laughs> just down. Mm -hmm. And obviously Champa went crazier and crazier with that uh, to the heights of hitting an air raid crash off of the top. Like uh, he kept elevating it and then just wallop <laughs> down he goes from Walter. So I, I love that. I love that pattern. That's a pattern that's in all of Walter's matches, where these opponents try and bring so much to take him down. And then he just caves them in with a slap to the chest, dead. Slap to the <laughs> chest, big boot to the face. You know that's the thing. He doesn't like. He doesn't need to do a lot because all of the mm. things that he do are important and make sense to him. I mean, I've seen matches where he's thrown ten to fifteen big boots to the face, and it's ne it never gets boring. I'm never like, oh, repetitive, same move, same move, same move. Like it doesn't feel that way. It feels like it makes sense in terms of a of a physical fight. Oh, yeah. And, and Champa, well, to give him credit, three power bombs he still kicked out. And uh, Walter, with no nonsense in the disbelief, he's not doing a Johnny Gargano, oh, <laughs> the referee, no, immediately picks the guy up. Uh, Walter hitting an incredible sleeper suplex onto Maslow, turning him inside out, before just a big old simple chop to the chest. <laughs> Down he goes, gets the win. Uh, the historic reign continues. This was by far my favourite match from the two nights. It was uh, amazing. It was fantastic. Uh, yeah, Walter continues to bring it. Like, every one of his... Because he, uh, during lockdown, he had his match with... What's his face? Yeah, <laughs> Ilya yeah, Dragunov. That was one it, of the, yes. uh, Yeah, yeah uh, another match that, honestly, the lack of crowd worked for them because 
every two seconds you hear a slap that's the <laughs> hardest thing you've ever heard i mean that match ended and like the big red the big russian was just bleeding red <laughs> while mm. uh the big austrian was just like like i was like he's tanner than he normally is and he's like oh he's not tan he is bruised he is swole he is uh yeah uh, to say that that match slapped would be both a compliment and also an actual description of what the match was because <laughs> mm. it was just slaps. Um, yeah, I agree. This was also my favorite match of the two nights uh, and, uh, you know, delivered on all the violence that was promised. Absolutely fantastic match. Walter continues to be, whenever he has these big matches, they are standout moments and you can see his reign going on for quite some time just because of that mm -hmm. element that he brings. And he's, he has expressed that he doesn't particularly want to move to America full-time and, like, toy WWE or anything. So it could be there for quite some time, like a genuinely long run. Let him hold that belt for five years. I am not <laughs> unhappy with it. I really am not. And after this, we got... Again, it, uh, Joey talked about the variety in the, show, uh, in the show earlier, but this really comes in to say that the match that followed this was the tag team triple threat for the NXT Tag Team Championships, Fast-paced tag team frenzy of fancy fanatics and Fantasma. I got my I got my F's in. <laughs> so MSK versus Legado de Fantasma versus the grizzled young veterans, and uh, MSK trying to steal the match, but uh, De Fantasma was showing they're the daredevils themselves. And then you've got the brain smarts of the grizzled young veterans capitalising on uh, all the chaos that was happening. It's just a fantastic little pairing here. I, I, I love that with um, Legado de Fantasma coming up with their own Daredevil stuff as well. That, for me, that uh. really elevated it as well because MSK, are, we know what they're like, but wasn't expecting double coast-to-coasts. <laughs> that was a nice little, uh, little surprise. Oh, yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah. The, uh, the action in this thing was um, unmatched, truly. I mean, the, the te between the tandem offense, between the, uh, the fire-ups, each team really getting their shine. The, the, the way they had it... You know, the way they did, especially even during the entrances, I thought the team that got the most shine was Grizzled Young Vets. And for a while there, I was like, oh, they, I think they're finally going to overcome their hurdle and become champions. Again, the right team won, though. Like, I think oh, yeah. the booking on I think the booking on the two nights was just as important as the in-ring action and the storytelling because they are leaning into, as you said at the very beginning, this next phase of NXT and MGK is hot. Like they already won the tag team tournament. Uh, they already had, you know, NXT this, did this weird thing with the women's tag team titles that, you know, we, we can get into when we talk about that match on night two, but this one, they stayed, they stood their ground, they focused and uh, they delivered. I thought uh, Mendoza and wild really, really looked great. You know, for this being their first takeover, I think they really stood there, and I I look forward to seeing them, you know, challenge MGK just in a uh, in a in a one on one tag match later down the line. And the uh, triple threat nature giving no downtime at all as this match quickly escalated, uh, but constantly elevated. Uh, Hunter's uh -huh. favorite tag team spot reared its head once again as Grizzled and Veterans launched an unrelenting attack on Wesley's arm to set up the Shankly Gates. For Nash Carter to make it just in time and grab the partner's arm before stopping from tapping. And a fantastic stare down to kick off the final act two was Grizzled Young Veterans and MSK each taking out a member of Legado de Fantasma and staring down into a wee scrap with the passionate Liverpool fans. Uh, MSK winning out and nailing that. Uh, I call it the assisted whisper neckbreaker. I don't know what a... Sorry, blockbuster. Don't know what to call it. Mm. <laughs> but, uh, got the win. That... 
Got the win. Yeah, I mm. uh, I, I could have gone without that submission spot because realistically, mm. if I'm if someone's putting me in a submission and I go to tap, and the imp comes in and he stops my hand, he's like, no, no, Joe, don't do that. I'll be like, fuck you. My arm hurts, man. <laughs> like I'll just verbally, I will verbally submit. Like. I don't know what you holding my hand is like, oh, you're right. I shouldn't care about my shoulder torque. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think that's just a thing that they that's become some type of trope that has not become my favorite. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, uh, you know, over, overall, very, very mm. happy for MSK. I'm very, very excited uh, to see them. You know, I'm excited for the eventual uh, Lorcan and Birch, you know, coming back to reclaim the title that they never officially lost. Um, that's a future matchup down the line I, I'm excited to see. Um, yeah, just great stuff. Great stuff. Yeah, and uh, I'm now waiting for an indie promotion to do that spot and then just have the guy just scream. I was like, no, F you. <laughs> My arm hurts. <laughs> I submit. <laughs> My arm hurts. Damn you. Why are you doing this to me? We were supposed to be rascals. We were br- somewhere I know who's the one that's still an impact. I think Trey. Trey yeah. is watching and be like, man, NXT changed them. <laughs> what happened to Band of Brothers? Rented some time. Jeez. I will say I was a bit uh, like uh, worried, I guess, about MSK in NXT because of the kind of act that they, they are. But they've been handled perfectly since their arrival. And even their promos, yes, it's still the scripted WWE style of promos, but it fits them perfectly fine. They're doing all right. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, you see what happened to Riddle on the main roster, and who knows what they'll do with them? <laughs> who knows? Hopefully, hopefully they don't have uh, animals flying out of their feet. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> but that's the bar. Ah. I uh, yeah, I I I I've blacked out <laughs> and forgotten what we were talking about because just thinking about what's going on with Riddle just b- baffles me to a point where I sometimes question why I wake up every day and do this. <laughs> but uh, you know. Mm. Uh, you know, so there. I, I'm going to contradict something I said earlier. There is a level of silliness to this thing. There's also a level of silliness that just makes me not want to care. Um, <laughs> but you know what? That's uh, we're, we're talking. I don't want to distract myself with things that I hate. Let's stay on table. <laughs> yeah, positiveness. <laughs> yeah. Positiveness. Yes. Yeah. Save. I save that for my raw reviews. That the pain <laughs> oozing from me in those reviews. <laughs> Notice that. Mm. I, I, uh, you are, you are a stronger man than I. I've actually enjoyed the <laughs> WWE product much more because I stopped watching their weekly television and would just read mm. recaps and watch the big shows. Um, something that I recommend, uh, yeah, but uh, you know that's that, that's everyone's uh, own journey to go on to. So uh, night two kicked off with uh, Poppy and Adam the Ant. Adam the Ant, let's go with it. <laughs> they, uh, we then followed on into a ladder match for the NXT Cruiserweight Championship Unification. Uh, to crown the undisputed NXT Cruiserweight Champion, Santos Escobar versus Jordan Devlin, and the Army Hearties climb the ladder and achieve your gold. I'm English, I had to do the voice. <laughs> Plenty. Yeah, it, was, it, it was fantastic. <laughs> Plenty of painful looking backdrops onto ladders in this match. Uh, moonsaulting Devlin with plenty of moonsaults, uh, escalating with the match as well. Like starting with a standing moonsault, then the springboard to the outside before the crazy bastard flew backwards off the tippy top of a ladder. You crazy man. <laughs> uh, well, Wilder Mendoza, but also I can never remember their names. Like whenever it comes to them, it's like, is it? Oh, no, it's not Joaquin Phoenix. Oh, it's Joaquin. <laughs> I just get stuck <laughs> for ages. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> is it Joaquin Phoenix and Raul Martinez? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. 
Pretty certain that's a football. Close enough. Close <laughs> enough. Uh, so uh, Wilder Mendoza saved the day for their man, but the assault wasn't enough to keep the Irishman down. Hardly did anything, really. In the end, the man paid for it with a painful final spot, crashing off one ladder and oof into another one popped in the corner. Devlin's arm bleeding as Escobar pulled down both titles to become the undisputed cruiserweight champion. And we, I was expecting this match to kind of escalate, keep escalating. But I feel like it's kind of like the opener from the first night where it was never really going to break a certain bar and it, it hit oh, opener wow. levels and it didn't really go past that. And I saw some people on Twitter be like, oh, it's, it was fine. It was nothing special. I was like, oh, I mean, it hit what it needed. So I'm not, I don't feel too yeah, down I on thought, it. I, yeah. No, I don't feel too down on it either. I thought it was a great opener. I thought they did a lot of high spots. I was a little taken out of the match after the... Uh, Mendoza wild interference because you know they interfered and you said they didn't it didn't really seem like they did much and that that was the issue like they mm. push him off the ladder I mean he hits the ground and he hits it hard like it is not the nice soft landing that I think they could have had but it, you know if anything it added to make it seem very violent then they toss him to the stairs then they immediately leave and he just pops up and throws the ladder at uh at Santos, it was that—that that was not my favorite. And I, you know, it's definitely overly nitpicking because overall, I thought the match did what it was supposed to do. You know, which was mm. end this division of who is the true cruiserweight champion. Like we now know, it is Santos Escobar. But I—I I don't think that the—I think that the better story to tell was that he did it on his own. You know, you have no mm. interference from Logado del Fantasma. And then down the line, again, there could be, if they decide to go there, that dissension of, I got the job done. Where are your guys' titles from night one? Like, you guys did not get the job done. You know, he could kind of play, mm. uh, you know, if, if they're La, La Familia, he could certainly play their head of the table in the sense of, I am excelling our group. Well, you guys have not, have, are not. You guys are holding it back. Um, and, and, and then again, that's nitpicking because did it, uh, detract from my overall enjoyment of the match? No. But I just thought it was a strange sequence of they push this guy off a 15-foot ladder, he crashes directly to the outside, then they send him into the uh, barricade or the steps, one of the two, and then they start climbing up. And he doesn't just run up and stop him. He runs and he throws this ladder. <laughs> like, how, where did you muster the, ener the energy, you Irish devil, you? Um, so, you know, that was... That, that was uh, but, but overall, I... I so I, I wouldn't say that this match was just there. I think salt and the one from the top, from the very tippy top, was chef's kiss, pristine. Um, and I love the match ending with Santos just giving a big ass headbutt and sending <laughs> this man flying through the ladder. So, uh, you know, good job, lads. I think they, I think they opened this show very strongly as well. Oh yeah, a really, really strong opener. And there we went to the NXT Women's Tag Team Champions, Shotzi Blackheart and Ember Moon versus Candice LeRae and Indy Hartwell. Uh, the Way amps in their Marvel get-up. Uh, the champions, is said, on their title card, it literally said, fiery and ballsy, as they fired a ball out of their tank. <laughs> they do literally there. Uh, I didn't get, I didn't, it wasn't an addition that I truly got behind. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> Uh, Shotzi, uh, so again, like takeaway point for this match, really. Uh, Shotzi taking caution to the wind as normal. A nasty crash landing after a suicide dive, but thankfully, all right, 
It's like it's not a Shotzi match if you're not going. Oh God, are you right <laughs> after something? Yeah, Sh- Shotzi uh, is uh, becoming like the the Ray Phoenix of NXT, where it's like it's not a Shotzi Blackheart match unless she lands right right on her head. <laughs> I mean, it, it was almost it was almost impressive that she did a suicide dive and. Sp- you know, it split the competitors. <laughs> so really, I, even the commentators was like, uh, or so Stu Bennett, who's you know, whose voice really is a uh, a pristine addition to the commentary oh, desk. Yeah. You know, just so so much grit and just like, oh, I don't know. I think she took the worst of that. And I was like, you think you <laughs> think she's got some? If you've got bad news, you better let her know that her head is just completely caved in. Mm. Um, but she seemed to be okay. You know, that Shotzi, she's like a cat. She, she lands on her feet every time. Mm, yeah. She reminds me a bit of, uh, I'm getting a bit nerdy, but I'm not nerdy enough to remember the Japanese wrestler's name. <laughs> but there was, in the, I want to say the early noughties, there was a uh, female Japanese wrestler where her offense was, uh, it was, because she was essentially going to attack her opponents. And you got that feeling when you watched her that it wasn't clean. Her landings were often quite rough and dangerous looking and um you weren't really sure she was going to be fine after each dive but but it ended that it was a bit of authenticity to it as well it meant that her offense felt unique just because her main issue her main point was to dive at her opponents so it's not going to be clean she is going to be on the ropes a bit wobbly and fall at a weird angle because she her main thing is i'm going to hurt you (laughs) she's not really caring if like her foot hits a rope or something Shotzi reminds me a bit of that. <laughs> but mm, it's sure. not clean. She is generally diving at her opponents. It's not, a look at this nice little fly. <laughs> it's not like that. Uh, yeah. Pers- personally, I, I like that, but obviously it's maybe not great for longevity. <laughs> that was the uh, Sasha Banks thing, where she was contorting mm. at insane angles after dives. It's like, uh, you know, we're not going to continue that long <laughs> doing that every mm. I know, especially Sasha, who's always like, I'm the future, give me my money, like, I'm going to be in the Hall of Fame next year, and I was like, I think we're, you know, kind of joking about the possibility that you are going to wrestle a shorter career if you continue (laughs) doing these things, but you know what, I'm not going to tell the boss how to do her job, uh, and I'm not going to tell Shotzi uh, how to change anything, because I don't want to get a staple gun to my face. Um, so, you know, you keep doing you, Shotzi. Like, you know what you're doing. You got you got this girl. Yeah, the Homer Simpson uh, back-fixing clinic. <laughs> Just bend over backwards. Uh, the champions retained after an obviously awesome moon double eclipse followed up by a Shotzi senton. And no, Vic, you can't call it the total eclipse of the Black Heart. No, <laughs> I will not have it. <laughs> That's too <Yes>. forced. <laughs> no, no. I'm not even going to say I appreciate the temp, Vic. You're better than that. <laughs> so start acting like it. You're better than uh, that. There was, also, there was also a very, very, very unique tandem offense maneuver by Blackheart and Ember Moon that I, I had never seen before. Um, I, like I said, I haven't been watching NXT weekly just because I'm on the mm. AEW beat. But uh, they did kind of like a do, like a dominator. Um, you know, uh, I think Ember Ember picks the picked. Uh, I think it was a uh, Hartwell. She picked her up in what looked like a dominator, and then uh, Blackheart kind of swoops in with like a bottom lariat, and she kind of lands as fits as a cutter. It's a very unique maneuver, and I really really enjoyed it. Because uh, of all the fantastic tag teams that we have all over, I-, I had just never seen that move before. So, like, kudos to them for figuring out a way to how to make some unique and innovative offense. Yeah, um, yeah, her and, and, and Candice and Indy, Indy as well, are, like, they've generally wow. become a really wow. great tag team as well. Uh, they 
feel a bit like the only real contenders, but they are contenders. We'll give them that. We'll give them uh, that. Uh, uh, but yeah, so a, a decent little defence there. And the final match to talk about. We've done it. <laughs> Got through. It's not an insane length as well. Congratulations to us. <laughs> the uh, North American Championship, Johnny Gargano versus Bronson Reed, the winner of the Gauntlet. NXT's Iron Man with the gear to match. But was he able to keep swimming after the waves of the tsunami? Yes. <laughs> yes, he was. Uh, the smaller champion certainly, like, he had to adapt after, like, for example, after the slingshot spear, and he just hit the big lad. He's like, well, we'll have to change uh, that uh-huh. there. Uh, some really nice sequences and reversals as Reed countered with his power. But that darn nifty Gargano kept finding a way, kept finding a way through. Uh, in the end, resorting to a mighty reverse Rana uh, to ground the big lad. Uh, Ronson Reed is athletic. <laughs> uh, and that was just to set up the Gargano escape as well. He, he had to resort to that level of stuff. And, but he then tried to recreate last takeover's uh, one final beat onto the ramp, which he nailed on Kushida. Uh, instead, Johnny got Razor's Ed back into the ring, like just continuing that, what you did on that little guy. He isn't going to work on this big fella. And uh, mm-hmm. only just not this stick boy, not this stick boy. No, no, no. <laughs> stick boy season. <laughs> he can't be doing what he did last time. Uh, the challenger sensing and ending kept climbing high, but Wiley Johnny kept finding his ways. Uh, Austin Theory keeping the champion in the match, but Johnny was still unable to hit one final beat as the Aussie reversed into the beat break. Another great reversal into that move. Uh, the man going big. Uh, decided the match though his own mistake rather than Johnny or Austin cheekiness leading to it uh, Reed flying off the top with a moonsault and a veil and two final beats is it still called one final beat if you hit two of them Gargano remains North American champion <laughs> uh, yeah really solid match very solid match you know I think uh, Bronson Reed is just great and I think the one thing was is that when he did win the gauntlet I wasn't certain that I mean, obviously, there's always a level of uncertainty to take over, but I just wasn't certain if it was going to be the time because if there's one thing that Gargano has not really had during his time in NXT is, like, that nice long title reign. Mm. And I think, like, he has talked about wanting to... I mean, obviously, everyone wants to have a long title reign, but it, it just seemed like it wasn't the time to beat him just yet. Uh, you know, maybe there might be a point where the North American title match could be, you know, a great main event for uh, an upcoming episode of NXT or maybe even just a, a better marquee opponent at a takeover. But I mean, Reed looks so good. I mean, his offense is so unique, especially for a power guy. I loved I loved how he transitions from a suplex into like a Death Valley driver, things like that, which, you know, and he can hit that maneuver on guys. Um, as big as a cross too. It's not just mm. because Gargano is is such a is such a teeny man that uh, that it worked out so well. But you know, and this this was you know in terms of our variety. I mean, it was fun to watch. This was you know had similar aesthetics to Raquel and Neo. Like one the fa- the fast paced, what um, one the fast paced quick strike offense, while the other is like a power based type maneuvers and things like that. And you know, Reed. Uh, you could still lose a match and still come out better for it. And I think, I do think Reed is going to gain some fans after this match. And I do think that, uh, you know, when he eventually does get his big title win, it's just going to mean that much more. Yeah, I think it is building up Reed pretty strongly. I feel like this was that the final step before he then builds to his next, obviously not the final step, but the one to take him to building to actually winning the championship. I feel like that's the right call. Dexter Loomis doesn't feel like that guy, but that's just because I'm not a, fan of Dexter Lewis and not really gravitating uh. to him that much. Yeah, I feel like Reed's your man. 
And again, I'm at that point where I want NXT to start transitioning to that next era. So this takeover as a whole, that's what I was talking about on the NXT review last week, was they set up this takeover to be like a transition one, to kick Mm. off the next generation for NXT. And the fact that both Cross and Gonzalez won is just fantastic. A fantastic look to then kick into that. Uh, But it's not all at the same time. Yeah, got got, Johnny Gargano retaining. And I am a fan of that. I don't... I don't, I don't think a massive clean sweep as we're likely to see at WrestleMania. I don't think that's the answer. You can hold off on a few things. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, the one that's like... If there's any match at WrestleMania that's going to be held off, it's Big E Apollo, because they've got to have match number 10. <laughs> you got to keep going to that. Uh, but yeah. Oh, boy. Uh, Gogana retaining, I'm fine with it. I saw, again, I'm saying that because I saw a few complaints of, oh, Gogana retains. Like, ah, no, it's fine. You can lose it at the next one. You can build Reed more. Yeah, you can, you can build Reed more. You can do things. I mean, you know, I, I think the, the overall thing with NXT, another thing that we've been conditioned to is that, like, it's weird for us to kind of see guys that have remained there. Mm. Like, because there always just seems to be that conversation of, oh, well, maybe they'll get called up now. Maybe they'll get called up now. And Gargano has said, like, I don't consider nxt to be this developmental idea i like wrestling there and not only do i like wrestling there but i get featured greatly mm. like so it, it doesn't like i feel like people were like oh well we're we're ready for johnny g to move up i don't think a he wants to move up and b would it make any sense because he's just going to get lost in that large talent pool that they have like he might as well remain on this show uh, which you know at, has usually NXT. I think in a lot of people's minds remained as the superior show to the main roster. Although I think SmackDown this year has greatly improved oh, yeah, yeah. and certainly and certainly uh, combated NXT on the times where they were not um, as toned in as they are now. But this changeover is good because it is something that we as NXT fans are used to. You know, like they, we have these guys where eventually the wave comes and then we get this next batch of talent. Um, I do think we need to not condition ourselves to always think that's going to be the case because I don't think everyone is supposed to just go to what they call the main roster. I think some people like staying in NXT and want to continue building NXT, which they need to keep doing. Yeah, because I can't remember who it was. The um, Apparently on the conference call uh, or the media call after the show, Triple H gave like a list of people who have been doing quite a bit of producing stuff uh, in terms of the matches. Mm. I can't remember who it was, but I'm pretty certain like, the names you would expect, like Gargano like Champa, they have been helping out produce matches. Uh, Balor's apparently shown interest as well. Like that, that makes sense. Like guys like that who are really interested. Oh, Pete Dunne, that was the other one. Like oh, guys man. who are apparently really interested in that backstage stuff. And uh, it's not just, am I going to be like WWE champion on the main roster? Like, no, they've got other interests as well. And to be fair, like Pete Dunne had his own school at like early 20s. <laughs> so he's uh-huh. he's got a mind for it, it's fair to say. <laughs> so it's... Yeah. Oh, yeah, sure. And, and as he tweeted out, people are already learning from the unofficial school of Pete mm. Dunne, which is just watching Pete Dunne break your bloody fingers. That's a reference to something before we started recording. <laughs> yeah. uh, anyway, that is the end of the NXT TakeOver Stand and Deliver review. Two absolutely solid nights, and I feel like it's happened once again where the bar has been set for the main roster. Uh, at least they've got a day's break now with, without any kind of thing to happen. Uh, WrestleMania Smackdown is tonight. I don't know if I have any plans to watch it, given there is so much wrestling of WrestleMania itself. We'll see. Uh, maybe I'll find time for the collective. Probably not this week. I was going to 
Oh yeah, I was gonna say. I mean, you got to give, mm. be good to yourself, and mm. don't don't tire <laughs> yourself out because the last thing you want to do is go into a wrestling show fatigued, because then it's gonna you know uh, detract from your enjoyment. And you know, mm. well, why watch wrestling if not to enjoy it? You know, is that not it? Per- persevering is the show. I mean, I I remember I actually watched O'Reilly and. Um, uh, and Cole this morning because right after I finished uh, uh, Cross and Balor, I was like, oh boy. And I felt myself sort of detracting. And I was like, I don't want to, I can't force myself to stay awake. I need to have a, a proper sleep cycle so I could enjoy this thing to its fullest. And I did. I certainly did. Because I think if I tried to force myself to watch it last night, this would have been a totally different <laughs> review. We would have been sitting on opposite sides. I would have been wearing a white shirt. Who knows what other atrocities <laughs> might have occurred. But I'm happy, so happy that I was able to join you today to uh, to review these shows. And I look forward to NXT's next phase. Uh, as a Joey Dark <laughs> signs off. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I'll be live immediately following both nights of WrestleMania over the weekend. No, not SmackDown. I'm not that crazy. Yeah, only two <laughs> super late nights in a row. Let's <laughs> not go too mental. Uh, this is my recovery night. I'm bloody taking it. So I'll be, it's, uh, yeah, look, not Laws of Pain, Wrestling Headlines Aftershock for both nights of WrestleMania. So you can join me live as soon as that ends and wish me luck for night two. <laughs> All this week has been conserving my energy to see if I've got enough energy for that one. And to I'll see, I was watching um, Gary Cassidy uh, tweeting about, right, I'm going to be on the media, media call now. I was like, oh, God, Gary, a round of applause. <laughs> a round of applause, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, to say that uh, doing doing all the media stuff as well, um, I, I guess yeah, any of the British people as well, especially um, shout outs to I guess inside inside ropes and um, wrestle talk guys who are doing all of that stuff <laughs> and then doing the post stuff afterwards. It's like no no, I'm just doing WrestleMania. Let's not go crazy. <laughs> and then let's I, not go, go crazy. Yeah, Joey and Mark cover the news. <laughs> I can leave that to myself. I'll I'll do my own little thing, my own little corner, my own video corner. Uh, anyway. So uh, thank you to everybody for or watching or listening because this will be available in podcast form as well. I uh, would say, again, the podcast version, probably the more stable version because the sound has apparently been perfectly fine. Uh, so thank you, Laptop, for being good at some things at least. <laughs> so I will be uh, live on Saturday for WrestleMania. And also time to plug all the stuff you see. If you're watching the video, you've seen our hashtags and things on the screen the entire time. But... You can follow follow Joey at the Lucha Joe. You can follow me at the Damn Implicat. That's Damn as in Damn. I've also got my own Twitch, the Implications with two S's, and uh, Wrestling Headlines. Just remember, got to plug the actual site we do stuff for. <laughs> but at, there's at Russell Headlines. That's Wrestle without an E uh, for the Twitter, and at Wrestling Headlines for the Facebook. They don't do ads. So I'm just rambling on. <laughs> so uh, with that, I say thank you for listening, liking, watching, whatever. Uh, Joey, if you've got anything else to plug before we say goodbye. Oh, man, uh, please do not sleep on the Imps Twitch channel, friends. I watched him play uh, the most recent Yakuza, and damn if it wasn't just a joy to watch. Uh, so make sure you follow him uh, and check out all of my interviews that I've done for Wrestling Headlines at the Wrestling Headlines YouTube channel. You can see me have talks with such phenomenal talents as Tasha Steeles, Josh Barnett, or if you want to even roll back on over to my old stomping grounds at Wrestling Inc. I interviewed the great filmmaker Kevin Smith about his time in AEW and his relationship with Chris Jericho. Um, 
continue to support pro wrestling. Have fun WrestleMania weekend. Stay safe. Get vaccinated. Wear a mask. All of the above. And uh, as most importantly, uh, I will let the imp, impy baby, take us home. <laughs> I shouldn't have told you that, <laughs> that nickname. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was a mistake. I'm, uh, you, I, I will take that one to my grave. <laughs> uh, so, again, thank you for watching, liking, engaging in any form whatsoever. It's massively appreciated. Don't take it for granted. Uh, and with that... Enjoy WrestleMania. Hopefully enjoy TakeOver as well. What do you think about it? Feel free to comment about it in the comments or hit us up on Twitter or whatever. We're always happy to chat. And with that, I bid you adieu. See you at the weekend as I'm leaning right into the logo <laughs> to say goodbye. With that, I bid you adieu. Adios. <laughs>